Okay, this is Brandon from the future, cutting in to this episode to say, yes, indeed, the Writing Excuses Anthology is available. It's called Shadows Beneath. We have it in a gorgeous hardcover, as well as in ebook e forms in all of your favorite ebook platforms. And if you buy the hardcover, we send you the ebook for free. So if you haven't read the story we're doing this week, you'll want to stop right now, pick up a copy of the anthology, read through that story so that then you can follow along with this critique session and see what professional writers have to say about a story going from first draft to last draft. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, episode 28. This is Writing Excuses, critiquing Brandon's story. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And Brandon's not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm excited that Brandon got to say I'm Brandon after what Dan said. That was, <laughs> that was like, that was perfect. Well played, guys. <laughs> so, if you missed the announcement last week, this week we are going to be doing a critique of my story, Sixth of the Dusk, which is the psychic bird story that we brainstormed about a year ago. And so, if you haven't read that story, we will have a link up for where you can get it. You can get it on Amazon. Um, you can get it on any of your favorite e-reading devices and that sort of thing. And then you can read the story. So you may want to pause this and then follow along as we do the critique session. Um, I have in that thing you can buy uh, both the unedited version and the edited version. What they have read here is the unedited version, because if right now I haven't done the edited version. I'm just assuming I'm going to, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, the other thing that I'm going to do is we're going to run this like I run my writing group. A lot of people ask us questions about, how do you guys workshop? What's your process? Well, we're going to do this week the way my process works with my writing group, and next week when we do Mary's story, which will also be linked, and you should go read so that you can be aware of what's going on in her story for next week, we will use her writing group's process. And this way you're learning two things. You're seeing, you know, what a, our critique groups work like, and you're also seeing how we go about revision. So in my writing group, the thing we do is we start off talking just briefly about what's working in the story so that the author doesn't accidentally go take that out, um, doesn't screw it up. We talk about what's good, what's fun, what's um, what we enjoyed. Then we go on to large-scale problems and talk about big issues that uh, that we think the story just... That are um, that are big problems, um, and from there, if we have time left over, we talk about some more medium level issues. So let's start off sixth of the dusk. Um, what did you guys like? Well, I thought the world building was a lot of fun. Um, it made sense. It was uh, it was compelling. Um, the journey across the island was um, tense, and and you managed the geography. I thought quite well. Uh, the characters were distinct and consistent, um, and um, and the prose was serviceable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wouldn't say to anyone normally, but yes, this is this is one of my first drafts, and if if my first drafts have a weakness, it is it is the prose. The prose is, yeah. Anyway, actually, you the way you had described the prose, I was expecting it to be awful, and it's it's no, it's just it's, it's just yeah. it's just wordy, and each sentence could be a little tighter. Yeah. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, I liked the details in it, um, in particular about not just you know you don't just tell us the main character is a trapper, but you actually show us and ha have invented all of this terminology for the animals and the plants and the 
tricks that he uses and the culture that he's from, it's very well developed and really pulls you into the story. I liked the uh, well. I, first of all, I, I enjoyed the whole, you know, the the whole story, beginning, middle, end. Um, I thought that the the plot structure worked. Uh, the shape, the emotional arc of things, shaped right, were, was shaped right. The reveals felt like they were, for the most part, in the right places. Um, the uh, uh, the thing that I it struck me the most, uh, that I think I liked the most, was the. Uh, subverting of the uh, noble savage trope uh, your trapper recognizes that metal tools and pants are superior to what his people has been using have been have been using for a long time and so he's just fine with metal tools and trousers and boots and and these things and I liked that now what I did here is I wrote all of this down with the name of the person who said it um, for those who are listening because Usually when I'm going to do a revision, I'm going to set this aside for a while, and I'll come back, and I want to know kind of the context, know who said what. This is because I know my writing group, and I know sometimes to pay a better attention if someone I know is specialized in a certain thing, they do a really good job with it. Like Howard talks about, this is where your humor was working. I'm like, okay, I need to look at that and see what was I doing that actually made Howard laugh, you know, something like that. Now we'll move uh, on to the large-scale problems. I have What's, one more thing oh. that I wanted to say before we leave the good stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, is just that I was, uh, and this is a minor note, and I know this was your intention the whole time, but it's worth pointing out that you successfully wrote a very unique uh, world. I mean, I there the fantasies set in jungles are few and far between, and so this stands out just because of that. Okay. Yeah, and you did manage to make psychic birds make sense. Mm -hmm. So kudos for that. <laughs> All right. Big issues. And in my writing group, it's not person taking a turn. Just throw out and then just I encourage everyone to have a conversation about what they felt about that. Does the dude's name count as a big issue? It sure can. Yeah. <laughs> if it's big to you, it counts. Um, it was not by any means the biggest problem in the story, but <laughs> sixth, that is a really hard word to say, and it was really getting on my nerves by the end. I was wishing he had an older brother so he could be seventh, just because no, that's easier because, to say. Because then he's seventh of nine, which was the thing that triggered for me at the beginning. Mm. See, the problem I had is that... Um, Fifth, though. You Fifth are going to have... Because a, then you don't have a... Sorry. You're going <laughs> to have a whole pile of... Just statistically speaking, you're going to have... Every other child is going to be named either first or second. So, which just seemed, but that was weird. cool. I'm willing I mean, to accept yeah, but, and that, a weird not, naming convention. That's not unusual. I mean, that's that. that How many Jasons do we have at this retreat? That's, it's not even that. It's like that's the way they were doing things in Rome. That's the way they were do. They do things in China that people go by. You know, the, well, no, their, that, okay, their, that's their a, birth that's order. A, that, that's a fair. That that's a fair cop. If the first name is the is more like a surname. They don't have surnames. So many of you are going to be first, second, or third that uh, it seems to me that what, what would actually be differentiating you is what comes later, which for him is dusk, which mm -hmm. turns out to not be time of day. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the combination. And I apologize for, for starting the no, rant on a relatively minor thing. I just wanted to, you know, three con a, a triple consonant cluster, or in, when it gets possessive, it's a mm -hmm. quadruple consonant cluster, was just hard for me to say every time got it but we'll move on um so uh so your ending 
Um, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's unfair to you guys. I did warn them that my ending had issues, so. Well, um, yes, but I would flag that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what I feel like is going on is that you've got, uh, and you did ask about it specifically, mm-hmm. but um, but you've got basically a triple ending going on. Um, and the reason I think that's happening, so you've got the, the thing where they, um, they defeat the monster, uh, which is not really the ending because that's, a, that's an internal event. The bigger event that they have to solve is the stopping of the... The the um, the, the machine the machine the mapping machine which which they do and then he leaves and goes out off to sea and then he comes back and then they they go away so the the leaving and going off to sea was a second ending and then the going out into space is your third ending I think mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a couple of things going on besides that uh, one is that you need to combine all of those that it, that you only end once. Um, and because I'm not sure I agree with that, but keep going. I think he needs to wrap up all of the problems, but I think the going away and coming back is currently not working. So you're saying not to defeat the monster, but the other other end. Right. No, the defeat the monster monster mm-hmm. I don't count as as okay. an ending. Mm-hmm. That's and, and that's, but you, the ones you're saying combine is stop the machine, go away, then come back. And yes. Yeah. Well, the going away worked in a sense. Um, it's obviously in there because you knew that you needed to separate those two endings in some way. Um, so, yeah, combining them is one solution or just giving him a reason to come back, which is absent in this story. I think if I he leaves, a... I liked having the breather to go out and look at the island, and, you know, look at his father and then come back. But there wasn't anything bringing him back, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think the, and this is where I was going to head with the, the, the very, very end with his decision to come back and go, and then go into space, is that at the beginning of the story, he is not dissatisfied with his life. You know, there's, um, he, he has a life that he likes. He feels like he is good at his job. And yes, the job is changing, but, but he has, there's nothing about his life that indicates that he's lonely or that he wants to leave. And you end with him taking her hand, which symbolizes um, a connection with someone else. And and there's nothing about the way his life is structured that indicates that the fact that he is not connecting with other people is a problem. Um, there's, you know, it, it none of that seems to be an issue for him. So I think if you want to keep that part of it, that you have to go back to the beginning and insert something so that he is somewhat dissatisfied. Uh, I mean, if, if, if we're using the classic my structure, yes. mm-hmm. um, right now you have basically, you have milieu story, and then you have an event, and then you wrap up the event, and you wrap up the milieu, and then you suddenly have this character. Yep. Ending, and it's like, hello, where did this come from? Um, and then he goes away, which resolves the, I am not satisfied with my... Um, my status, or my position in life, and and also you have introduced. There's, I mean, there's two disruptions to the status quo. One is the um, the what is happening to the birds, uh, which represents the larger disruption. So, so there's that, and then there's also that we have space aliens coming down to visit us. Um, those are both related things. Right now, you have them as two separate things with the way the ending is structured. 
So, so that's, I think, I think that you would have a stronger emotional punch if you could find a way to either, like, to either um, have him come to that decision at the end after the after they defeat. I also like him going back out to sea, but I don't think it's working. It's not. And um, so he either needs to go, like I said, he needs to go out to sea and then have a compelling reason, something that drives him back, or there needs to be, we need to remove the need for him to go out to sea. Yeah. And I think that you could remove the need for him to go back to sea. I mean, if, if we're looking at the classic, you know, milieu structure, the story starts when a character enters a place or, or leaves a place and, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we could count the entrance into the fortress as the exiting from the island. You know, that he, he arrives on the island with his, on his boat, but he is leaving via another door. And, and that could count if, if you go back to the beginning and add in some character stuff. Or just having him get onto their other boat, their yeah. big iron boat. Yeah, and watch Coming look, on a little oh, canoe and good. leaving on the big iron boat yeah. solves that very subtle problem. But yeah. we keep interrupting Howard. Well, I just wanted to say one thing about that, and then we can <laughs> Howard talk. We're going to continue interrupting Howard. Yes, I am, because that's, that's my job. This is, uh, this is Mary's expertise, so I'm kind of willing to let <laughs> Mary just talk. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but I just wanted to second what, what Dan said in particular, because putting him on the iron boat allows you to have that looking back at the island, and that is a really strong image. Did we want to? Oh, yeah. Uh, I had. I actually had a process question. (laughs) Um, I had a process question. Um, The. I'll be blunt. Dan and Mary are fixing it. Mm -hmm. Is that the sort of critique that you're accustomed to getting? Oh, that's a good question. Um, In from my writing group, and particularly from Dan, I always want Dan to fix my story. Now, this is here's the thing. This is this may be a bad example for you all because I am sitting with two of the authors I respect most in the world and with Howard. <laughs> well well That's for the thing you did in between sessions, by That's the way. That's just fine. That's just fine. Um, so I... Dan and I know each other really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have been ro- workshopping together forever, and we know each stories, each other's stories. And in some cases, this can be a bad thing in that, you know, since we know what the other's trying for, sometimes you get into trouble where, the since Dan knows my writing so well, he'll miss things that are wrong because he just assumes I knew, he knows what I was trying for, and he's right. Yeah. A, but a really good critiquer can dig into this is the problem and here are ways to fix it. Now, you may not take those ways, and I'm an experienced critiquee. It's okay. I'm an experienced critiquee, and I know when to not... You're snickering at that. I know when to not take advice and when to take it. And so allowing two really good writers to go back and forth on what's wrong with my writing and what to fix it, I'm perfectly willing to let happen. In fact, I'm excited by it. But a lot of new workshoppers, um, I suggest them not do this, that they describe their emotions and not give you fixes. And and I'm going to second you on that. Yeah. um, if I were critiquing someone else, yes. I would not be offering the right. prescription. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, and I actually went, and this is, this is one of the reasons why it's, it's, um, it, you should know that I said to them, I think my ending's broken. Do you guys have suggestions? Because I'm act- actively soliciting help, which is a different thing also. Yeah. Um, let's should we do a book of the week? For the book of the week. Yeah. Um, our book of the week this one. week is I, Robot, um, which since we were doing short fiction, I thought I would pick one of my 
very favorite short fiction collections, which almost all of them are by Asimov. Um, but my one of my favorites is iRobot. I mean, it's it's kind of I don't know overplayed now for people to love iRobot, but I just do. The stories are so awesome. The mind reading robot and the robot that the little girl falls in love with. It's a, there's just such cool stuff going on in this. And if you haven't ever read iRobot, you're missing out on one of the primary foundational, that's a pun, um, <laughs> story collections that um, that help science fiction be what it is today, and it's informed. One of the reasons I write magic systems like I do is because of Asimov's Three Laws. Um, and so, if you want to understand modern th science fiction and fantasy, you re should really be reading some Asimov. And so, iRobot is a fantastic collection, um, and you should give it a try. Or you could have somebody read it to you instead of reading it yourself. Yes. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start a free membership. 30 days long for free. With a free book. With a free book. Uh, iRobot by Isaac Asimov. I don't know who the narrator is, but I'm sure it's awesome. Um, now, my question to you guys is, do you have another 15 minutes worth of stuff to pile on me? Oh, baby. I have, okay. I, have, I, actually, have, I, I actually have a little bit. You know, okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh, Let's end ahead. then. Oh, we're going to And let's stop. break it to a second podcast because I this oh, hands-on sort time. of stuff that we do I think that the listeners really are going to like it's the sort of thing that they can't get very often is <laughs> listening to being a fly on the wall in our critique group so, so I'm gonna pause it tune okay. in hang next on, well, time when Howard second. says yes what no, no no that's not what we're gonna do at all we're gonna do is take a quick survey <laughs> mm -hmm. of our listening audience okay? okay if you're sitting in front of your computer right now listening to this and you want to do this again next time I need you to shout yes Okay, perfect. All right, it's unanimous. Right. Well, that's your writing prompt, by the way, is a story where you can vote through time for things. <laughs> All right? You're out of excuses. Now go have written. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 